Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey sis, welcome back to Girl Goodnight. I'm Return of Lamac, and every Sunday you can relax to binaural beats while I read you a melanated bedtime story. Help your friends sleep in melanated peace. Girl, share the show and show us some love with the five-star rating and review. Join the Girl Goodnight gang. You can find us on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and the Girl Goodnight Land Facebook group. Visit our new website and complete the form to be our next featured author. The Girl Goodnight Store is open and we have the perfect gifts for you and your loved ones. Browse our selections, link in description. Tonight, we'll be reading He Calls Himself Velis by Tierra Cox. Now, close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And sleep in melanated peace. Chapter 3 The best men are not consistent in good. Why should the worst men be consistent in evil? Wilkie Collins Velis Yes. The words that free him. Velis feels the mirror break free, the glass shattering when his form reaches for her. His hands cup her warm brown cheeks, and he smashes his lips to hers. Naraya belongs to him now, just as he will be hers. Their bodies intertwine, their souls linked for now. No one can command him save his mistress. No one will stand in her way, not as long as he is beside her. No person, no beast, and no creature from any side of the boundary will stop him so long as it furthers his mistress's goal. Yet, as Velis takes her lips, The taste of regret is salty on them, and he wonders what this means for him. She is strong. She almost resisted him. He expects that from a Nephilim. But her resolve in choosing him and her continuing her own goals has not wavered. He's intrigued. This girl is so unlike any that he has met before. Then again, her smell is sharp, and with this kiss, he knows just who she is, even if she does not the child of the great captain. He'll keep this secret as long as he can. Naraya furthers his ultimate goal of fighting for a claim to hell. Pushing those thoughts from his mind, Velas concentrates on this moment, his victory. His tongue hot on hers, he smooths the muscle over Naraya's tongue and places his sigil. The searing rip of fire makes her hands hold tighter onto his biceps. Her nails dig into his flesh, fighting against it. Dragging his body from the mirror, Velis stands toe-to-toe with her. His long tail pushes against her back, pressing her body into his. One arm around her waist, the other cups the back of her head as the mark is placed. Any demon will smell him on her. Any creature will see the symbol of their covenant placed on her person. Only those humans blessed with magic can tell otherwise. As Naraya screams, Velis releases her mouth, 
watching her body go limp in his arms, her arms flailing by her side like a rag doll. Licking his lips, Vela swoops her up like a bride. He carries Naraya to the bed and lies her gently on the comforter while her mouth hangs open. The deep purple of the sigil begins to fade now, light as lavender as it sits on the pink surface of her tongue. The seal is complete. He will help her, and she will be his ticket to domination. Taking a deep breath, Velas breathes in the deep smell of freedom. What should he do now? He pads around the room on his digitigrade legs and canine-like feet. From toes to waist, his body is black-furred. Then, human skin begins. A solid body with slightly thick arms and a broad back. Velas pushes his long black hair from his face and takes a deep breath. The stagnant air of the mirror is one thing he never got used to, and now he revels in fresh oxygen. Filling his lungs with the substance, he lets it out through his mouth and looks around. Her furnishings are meager, not even a television in the room. He has seen a human do that before. The white noise of static helps him talk to mortals in their vulnerable sleep state. Walking from the bedroom, he heads into her living room and looks around at the furnishings. Bare, simple. She must like the minimalist styling, something he found abhorrent. He will definitely have to upgrade this. Once they are gone from here, he'll make sure she will want for nothing. For now, time to explore this city. Baltimore, Maryland. Such a rich, dark history, and he can hear the souls of the past. Those trapped or unwilling to leave calling from the thin space that separates them from the living. Bellis prefers these old cities built on the ruins of other civilizations. They hold a deeper power than most know. They're being ignored for now. They hold no power over him. Moving through walls is child's play, and Velas is good at many things that demons should excel at. He is a quirk of a Cambian. His powers are because of his parentage, born of a human mother. And his father? Father. He has to know that he is free by now, and Velas is not looking forward to seeing Iblis. How long has it truly been since he has seen the night sky? Velas doesn't look, he doesn't feel, he doesn't think twice. He wants to climb and sit to survey this land. Taking off, the ground is slippery under his pod feet, but he runs faster and faster. Breath comes from his mouth like a fog. He spots a building and jumps. His muscles ache and burn, lazy from lack of use. Claws digging into brick, Velas climbs, not worried about hiding himself from anyone or anything. He is free, and all should know this. He reaches the top of the building and flings himself into the air, 50 feet above the rooftop of a skyscraper. 50 feet into the freezing night air, clouds around his body. He relaxes and lets himself fall, letting the infernal chaos that is within him slow his descent back to the roof until his back kisses gravel. Then, he lies there and watches the sky. The lights are too bright to see the stars, but he does see the snow. Big white flakes fall all around him. The air is crisp and cold, and he shivers. He shivers! When was the last time he shivered? Leaning his head back to the sky, Velas feels his skin move over his bones and the heavy beating of his heart in his chest, the burn in his thighs, and the ache in his paws. 
The moon shines her delicious silvery light upon him and he howls in excitement. He is free. Fuck you, Abaddon. Sitting up, Vela stands on the edge of the roof and looks down. People, humans. Teleportation, it was like riding a bike. So he goes from the rooftop to the street below and he stands and watches as they push carriages. They carry bags, children, and dogs up and down the street. They talk to each other on devices and some not at all. They walk and push through the crowd, ignoring those around them. Nothing has changed. They continue on walking, talking, moving like their world isn't crumbling around them, like he isn't free and ready to mingle among them once more. He'll do something different this time, be someone different, and it is only because he is half-human that Velas has the opportunity to do so. He would thank his mother if she wasn't dead. Dead. Death. The one thing that separates him from the strands of humanity, just like his little Nephilim, Naraya. Naraya, the child of light, daughter of the great captain that freed him. He should be grateful to her, and he is. For that kindness, she will keep her life. Velas has plans, many plans, but for now, his only concern is helping Naraya with the problem of Kevin McLeod. Standing in front of a department store, Vela stares at the dummy in front of him. A mimic of the human form, he touches the mannequin and watches it teeter back and forth. He needs to learn about this world quickly. Surely his mistress will expect him to know everything and be able to navigate with her in this human realm, his domain and his playground once upon a time. Taking the clothes from the mannequin, he quickly puts them on and teleports himself back to Naraya's home. Stepping, it is called, a demon's ability to teleport between time and space, in between the boundaries that separate humans from the other worlds around them. He finds himself in Naraya's home once more, behind her couch. Making sure that his claws do not cut into the faux leather, Velas drags his hand along the back of it. How long has it been since he touched anything but himself and empty space that was only tangible as long as he sat on it? He rolls his neck and takes a deep breath when a scent hits his nostrils and makes the hairs on his neck stand on end. That particular smell, cloves and cardamom, will forever be ingrained into his mind. Looking to his right, Velas grins. A pair of amber-colored eyes stare back at him in the darkness. Why, if it isn't my dear friend, Abaddon, I have missed. His sentence is cut off as the demon flies toward him, his elbow on Velas's neck, speaking softly. This is a turn of events I did not see happening. Velas chokes out his response. Getting weak? You couldn't feel the barrier slip? Abaddon growls, his fanged teeth clipping the skin on Velas's chin, leaving a drop of blood that Abaddon quickly laps up. I felt your presence as soon as you were on this side of the boundary, but that doesn't mean you haven't come up with a few tricks of your own. Abaddon pushes against Velas once more for good measure before straightening his blood-red hair. The new look suits you. Oh, and look, your shirt matches your hair. That's cute. Velas replies sarcastically, rubbing a hand over his neck. That hurt. Not looking at him, Abaddon grunts. I should kill you. 
but protocol prevents me from doing so. Ignoring Velis, Abaddon heads down the hall and into the bedroom. So, you finally found one to free you. Here I thought I was clever with that little lock. Abaddon stares down at Naraya, watching her chest rise and fall. Velis comes up behind him, whispering into his ear. Beautiful, isn't she? She reminds me of your... Abaddon turns, his amber-colored eyes focus hard on Velis. Shut your mouth! I can find the power and another reason to trap you somewhere else. Velis chuckles. So, you're saying you can't do it again? And stop using names like they don't do anything. What are they calling you now? Or do you prefer to tell everyone who you really are? Mark, Abaddon answers, turning from the bedroom to head back into the living room. Mark, Bella scoffs. Like the disciple? What is this? Do you think using the name of one of his disciples will give you some redemption? There is none for us. Sitting down on a leather armchair, Mark laces his fingers together. So you say. Velas growls a low and throaty sound. He placed that enchantment on his name long ago, and even if no one else can hear it when it is said, he could still hear it loud and clear. Stop that. What do you want? I'm free. Boo-hoo. Cry about it somewhere else and leave me to my task. Go find something to do with yourself or keep running from Lucifer. Stop mentioning his name. Abaddon sits up, his amber eyes looking around the room in anticipation. You know what humans like to say. Speak of the devil and he will appear. A voice finishes just as a mint-haired man stands in the kitchen, his hands in his pocket. He isn't as big in stature or as imposing as the two in front of him. His 5'4 frame stands in the kitchen, his beautiful, long-fingered, soft hands on the counter while he regards the two in front of him. His face is pale, not like death, but rather because he has not seen sunlight in some time. He has a handsome face, round shape, but he sports the angular jaw that women now croon over. His men's hair hangs just above his eyes, cut in a flattering bowl shape around his head. Lucifer's eyes are solid black with no traces of irises, just pools of unfathomable inky depths that now look around Arias' home before regarding the two in front of him again. Neither Mark nor Velis move as he slowly comes around the counter, his midnight stiletto form claws tapping against the marble quartz countertop before he finally stands on the threshold between the kitchen and living room. Silence permeates the air. Lucifer's black eyes scan the two in front of him. His voice is low, a hint of mirth in his tone. Imagine my surprise, me minding my business and feeling that Phyllis was back on this side of the boundary. He seems to wait for a response before Velis clears his throat, answering him. It feels good to be back. Lucifer's round cheeks and thin top lip don't do much to hide his gummy smile. 
His face is completely opposite of what most might have expected, but he loves to keep his acolytes and humans on their toes. Abaddon has some powerful spells, doesn't he? The men-haired fellow finds a single easy chair and plops down on it while watching the two in front of him through his black, pupilless eyes. Crossing one leg in front of the other, he waves a finger for them to move forward. Please, stand on ceremony. Velas forces a smile. Morning star. He dips his head toward the king of hell. Thank you for the warm welcome. Looking away, Mark sighs heavily before inclining his head at his master. Forgive me, but I'll be taking my leave. So soon. In the blink of an eye, Lucifer goes from the chair to stand in front of Abaddon. He looks comically short in front of him. Off to wash off the taint of who you are? Still ashamed of that, are we? Looking past Lucifer and staring at Velis, Abaddon speaks to him. I would say do something else with your time. That woman doesn't deserve whatever it is you're planning. Abaddon doesn't wait for an answer. He just leaves, a puff of yellow smoke, gone just as quickly as he came. Shrugging, Velis shuffles on his paws while regarding the mint-haired gentleman. I don't plan on causing any trouble. I didn't say you were, and obviously, I don't care so long as it doesn't affect me. His black eyes on Velis, the gummy smile spreads once more. Velis, that sounds nice, very pretty, but then again, Lucifer let his words hang in the air. I should come up with a nickname when I look like this, don't you think? You do what you wish, like Velis would disagree with him. Sitting back down in the chair, Lucifer laces his fingers together. Tell me something, Velis. Does Abaddon still hate me? Lucifer refuses to call him Mark. I don't know. We don't talk about you. Vela shifts on his canine paw feet. I see. Lucifer sits a while longer and Velis knows it is because Lucifer enjoys how he makes Velis squirm in the uncomfortable silence before lifting himself from the chair. Have fun, Velis. We have missed you. With that, he is gone, black smoke flowing out the patio window and into the night air. Vels lets go of the breath he has been holding subconsciously. He hates the morning star with everything that he is. It's not just because he has a horrible habit of appearing when he isn't wanted, but is an old wound between them that hasn't been cleaned. It has been left to fester, and now the scar is an ugly metaphor for the relationship between the two. He should push it from his mind and not let it affect what he has going on now. Velis knows this. Besides, his time will come. So, before going back into the room with Naraya, he takes the cleansing bath. Sitting down on the bed, Velis watches his little human in a deep sleep. He wonders if her brain has enough energy to fire the little neurons and make her dream. His clawed hand runs up her leg, then her thigh. He could pierce this thin material with one claw, and though the idea is sounding better the longer he sits here, he doesn't. 
Instead, he picks up her wrist and lets his teeth pierce her skin like a warm knife through butter. Lapping up her blood, he closes his eyes and reads the information in her system. It's such an intimate and vampiric thing to do, but he needs the information that is inside her. It would do him well to know about his mistress. Blood carries facts, memories, cultural nuances, and language that he will adjust to over time. Letting the warm, sanguine fluid settle on his tongue, Vellis waits. Memories, deeply etched thoughts, and language pierce his brain. She is healthy. He expects nothing less. It wouldn't do to have a sick mistress. Then he'd have to cure her, and that would take some time. It is enough that she is a Nephilim. Placing his seal created a fight within her. She will reject his essence. Better to tip the odds in his favor, then. Bellis pricks his finger and dips his own clawed hand into her mouth, smoothing black blood over her tongue, just enough to do what is needed. Naraya's body bucks on the bed, moving up and down. Her back arches as her body rejects the tainted blood. True, the creator breathed his breath into all his creations so they would naturally fight this perversion against his nature. Naraya received a double shot of holiness. This will take longer. She begins to sweat, jaw clenching as her body soaks in pieces of him. When she calms, Velas goes to the bathroom, takes a wet cloth, and returns to dab her forehead. It's not over yet. Undressing her, he slips her body under the sheet before he draws the blinds and curtains closed. Until her body accepts his mark, she will burn with a slight fever. They will be bound, not only sealing the contract between them, but bringing full circle a promise of power that was given to him. Placing the cap she calls a bonnet on her head, Velas applies it like he has seen Naraya do so many times in the mirror. He fluffs her pillow and sits on the edge of the bed while the fever begins. Fight now, little Nephilim. We have some long days ahead of us. Naraya. Naraya awakens with a start, moving her tongue around in her mouth. It feels like lead covered in sand. She coughs, a deep chest cough that she is certain will produce some mucus. Her body feels sore, like she's just run a marathon, then swam five miles. Other than the initial soreness, it is alarming to Naraya that she feels fine. No aches and pains, not even that odd, slight headache folks get when they wake up from a long nap. Blinking her eyes slowly, she takes a deep breath and looks around her room. Was it a dream? Was it all some sort of trip she had found herself on? Breathing in so much marijuana at the club, she was certain she'd get secondary high one day. Then it all comes rushing back. The mirror, the man inside of it, the demon. Naraya closes and opens her eyes once more, filling her lungs to their capacity when she notices a tall, dark-haired man standing in her doorway. The same one from the mirror. When she screams, he makes a face at her, scrunching up his nose while his mouth pinches shut. Really? That's completely unnecessary. Naraya snatches at her blankets, pulling them up to her mouth. You're real and still here? Velas rolls his eyes, taking a step closer. Yes. 
I also changed my appearance to prevent you from screaming, but I suppose there was no need. Change your what? Naraya moves the blankets and looks down at her naked body. You took off my clothes. Velas looks annoyed, smoothing down his black slacks. I have seen plenty of naked women, some by choice and some not. You aren't anything special. She takes offense to that, pulling the blanket closer to her nose. I'll have you know, I look great naked. I didn't say you didn't. I said your nakedness was nothing special. Sitting on the edge of the bed, Velas pulls the blanket down so that he can see her mouth. Now, I've spent all night looking through your computer and learning about this world. Technology has progressed, but the state of this earth remains the same. Naraya grunts, looking around for some clothes. Nothing has changed, huh? Vela shrugs and hands her the pajama pants she wore the night before. Humans are still greedy creatures. You have had a hole in your heart since that fruit incident, but it's not your fault. It's a flaw. You destroy and consume. Naraya looks at Velis, frowning. Her body moves under the blanket as she pulls her bottoms on. We aren't all like that. Side-eyeing her, Velis holds up her cami top. A good percentage. Snatching it from him, Naraya motions for him to turn away. Once he does so, she drops the blanket and tosses the tank top over her head. So, you're a demon? Naraya wants clarification that last night wasn't a dream, that he is standing in front of her now. Pinching the area between his eyes, Velas groans. We're not going to do this again. Standing up, Velas pulls Naraya's legs so that her feet are touching the floor. Crouching down, he places his hands on her bare knees. Yes, I am a demon, and my name is Velas. I have willingly entered a contract with you, and as such, I am your servant. You are my mistress. You want revenge? I am your man. Whatever you want, I will make it happen. We made a deal. It's been sealed. And now... Let's get on with it. He smacks her thighs playfully before standing up. Are you going to do that all the time? Vela smirks. Talk to you like you're a child? When I feel the need, yes. Naraya raises her eyebrow. Feel it less. Velis plucks her forehead with his slender fingers. Focus on what I said. Frowning, Naraya rubs her head. That stung. Whatever I want? I mean, most things that are within my power. I'm not the creator or his son. So, don't get fanciful. With a flash, he presses Naraya's back onto the mattress, lifting her thigh so that his body is pressed close to her nether regions. We could become intimately acquainted with one another. His nose bumps her while his tongue drags along her lips. I can make this fun for the both of us, but I will warn you, 
His index finger runs down the length of her nose. Don't fall in love with me, Naraya. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. His eyes become serious, even while he presses himself against her. I will not love you like you want me to. This is transactional, nothing more. Keeping his mouth near hers, Bellis presses a chaste kiss to Naraya's lips. It has, however, been some time. And I can't say that I'm not wondering how you'll sound when I'm inside you. Naraya ignores the goosebumps that flash over her skin. He looks like danger, the type of person who knows he is attractive and uses that to his own advantage. His voice is like velvet, but his very light, indiscernible accent is what nearly sends her over. Where does it come from? Bellis is a pretty package rolled into a sassy attitude, and here he is, contracted to her. Still, he is a demon, and even though he talks a good game, Naraya knows better, right? She pulls her knee from his grasp and pushes it into his stomach. Back the fuck up. There is no way she'll fall in love with the demon, no matter how attractive he is. Maybe. Bellis grunts, rolling himself off of Naraya. You're mean. That usually works. Smoothing his shirt down, Bellis sighs and continues. First things first, we should get back to New Jersey. How did you know that's where I was from? Naraya sits up on the bed, crossing her legs in front of her. What exactly was he doing on her computer? Good thing she searches incognito for most things. She didn't need the demon to know what kind of porn she was looking for. Man, Betty was going to kill her when she saw Velis. Betty! Jumping from the bed, Naraya searches around for her phone. Betty, I had to call her. Vela sounds annoyed. Number one, Naraya. I can hear everything in that mirror, and I could see whatever was on my surface. Two, Betty is fine. She thinks you have a stomach bug, so you are resting. She told your boss, and we'll see you tomorrow. Naraya narrows her eyes and turns to look at him. What did you do? He shrugs. Pretend to be you? Mimic your voice? Yes, I did that. Who can't? She can hear his irritation. The vertical slits of his pupils widen and then relax. Instead of asking questions, she gets up and leads him to the living room where she sits down in the armchair. Bellis grabs a bag from the kitchen counter and places it on the coffee table in front of her. Eat this. Eat. This is from McDonald's. Not good for you, but sustenance. Bella sits on the sofa picking up a magazine. Naraya chuckles, unwrapping her Egg McMuffin. I know what McDonald's is. What time is it? Did I sleep long? It is 7.55 in the morning on November 22nd, 
2022. Velas flips through the magazine. Coughing, Naraya puts down the sandwich. November 22nd? I've been asleep for four days? Velas nods his head. The sigil branding takes energy from you. We are bound to each other now, and the process is long. Humans are so fragile. It's fine. I wasn't lonely or anything. It gave me time to think and do some research. That's not the point. Four days? Velis! Naraya feels sick. For four days, she was out of commission and lying in the bed helpless while this demon pranced throughout her home, pretending to be her. She puts her food down and closes her eyes tight. Dramatic much? Velis asks, looking over his magazine. Naraya opens her orange juice and quickly drinks it, only to realize how dry her throat is. What happened in all that time? Nothing of importance. He sets the magazine down and crosses one leg over the other. Now she wonders where he found those expertly tailored clothes. I made sure that Betty wouldn't come over here and annoy us. Then I caught up on what's been happening for the past hundreds of years and watched over you. He motions to the food again. Now, eat please. Four days sleeping and after that, you need food for strength. Then we can decide where to live. Naraya sits back in the chair, her fingers releasing their grip on the arms. I need to talk to Betty myself. Why? What's the issue? He really seems confused, not realizing that Naraya can't just stop living her life. People will notice. Well, the only person she cares about will notice. And Betty is her friend. She doesn't want to keep anything from her. Are you trying to keep me from telling Betty about you? Velis raises a thick but manicured eyebrow. You can tell her whatever you'd like. I can disappear and reappear at will. The point is, why do you want to tell her? We have a mission to complete. We don't need stragglers. Velis stands up, placing his hands in the pockets of the slacks. He stares out of the balcony window, giving Naraya his side profile. I'm here for you. No one else. If she dies, I don't want you blaming me. She doesn't like that. A part of Naraya is beginning to realize the gravity of the situation. Her mother was a religious woman. She prayed every night and kept a white candle with a picture of Christ and another of an angel. She took Naraya to Mass every Sunday and taught her certain prayers. Now look, here Naraya is with one of the creatures in her living room, like she just adopted him from the pound. Her mother is probably turning in her grave. Still, this demon, Velis, he isn't like the depictions in what she thought he was supposed to be. Then again, wasn't that the danger? Something so pretty hiding a secret? He isn't looking at her, but she knows he is aware of her. The hard lines of his jaw and nose made him handsome. But is that what he really looks like? He wears a white button-up shirt with purple cufflinks. The slacks hug his ass and thighs, giving them definition that Naraya can see and are well-fitted down to his feet. He doesn't have on shoes. She smirks, though she doesn't want to. He must have observed that she has a no-shoes-in-the-house rule. 
Don't be so callous, she finally says. I wouldn't have anything happen to Betty. And if you obey me, then you won't. Velas opens his mouth and then closes it before turning his violet eyes on her. If it came to you or someone else, I will choose you every time. I don't know who Kevin is, what he's doing or is capable of. Really? Nariah sips her orange juice. I don't like this conversation. Velas crosses the room, crouches down and takes her hand in his own. He rubs his hand, a creamy almond complexion against her dark honey one. Listen to me. You are human and humans die. You all will die eventually. There is no cure. And the only thing I'm doing is interfering and making you live longer. You won't age when you're with me. I won't allow you to die. He gently fingers a coil of her hair, enjoying its softness. Be grateful. Now, get up. I'm bored and want to get started. She stares into his eyes. Doesn't he comprehend what she is asking him to understand? A demon, a creature who doesn't know death, probably doesn't know fear or pain. She watches his plum-colored eyes as he regards her, and she sees nothing. No light, no sparkle or shine of some life behind those soulless orbs. It frightens her, but... What is this calling in her? This feeling of something more, something awakening. It prods her to fight, to rebel against him, but at the same time, to show him compassion. You asked that I would be the sword of your vengeance, did you not? His arms wrap around her waist. For someone who said there was no love in what he does, he acts like a lover would. Yes, Indeed, she had asked for that. Naraya's hand passes over her lips, and she still feels the tingle of the mark on her tongue. Ray's lines marking the symbol of their contract burn into her flesh. She asked for revenge. She wanted vengeance enacted upon her stepfather and whoever had a hand in killing her mother. Velis is her reckoning, and though she stumbled upon this place and him by accident, she knows she shouldn't waste it. Thank you. The soft words come from her mouth and Velis scrunches his nose, pointing to the bathroom. Wonderful. Now, go brush your teeth and get ready. Your breath smells like you've been asleep for four days. Naraya chuckles, pushing away from him gently. Yeah, thanks. Standing in the bathroom, she remembered what he said. I will be your slave until the deed is done. Naraya repeats his words in her head watching his eyes as he stands behind her and looks at her reflection in the mirror. When the deed is finished, you are mine. She remembers his words, but what exactly do they mean? Back in the living room, Naraya continues to eat slowly and watches Velas pick up various items of hers, asking what they are. We can't go back to New Jersey. She speaks slowly and finishes her orange juice. Yes, we can. That's where you are from and where he is. We'll step there. It's faster, and I can take you with me no consequence to you. Bellis puts down a snow globe. Ready? Now? Bellis, no. I have a job and a life here. Do you have any plans on what to do? How can we do this? 
He's a police officer. There's a code for the men in blue, and no one is giving anything up easily. Standing up, Naraya throws her trash away, noting that he has taken the old trash bag out. Velas blocks her way. Leave the heavy lifting and the majority of the thinking to me. It will expend too much energy from you to step so often. We need a base of operations in the city. Trust me. That's not the point. My job? You're lucky I didn't quit that shit show for you. We'll come back tonight and you can make your shift. Happy? You won't even need the money. He waves his hand dismissively. This apartment's rent has been paid for the year. You're welcome. She doesn't want to ask how he did that, but the question is burning in her mind, so she waits. As long as I'm back by tonight, I need to think of something to tell Betty myself. Where are we going? He thumps her forehead again. I've chosen a place. You just need to say yes to it. Are you ready to step is the question. Naraya wrinkles her brow. Step? A wide smile spreads over Velis' face. I love when I get to explain things like this to humans. He rubs his hands together. Stepping is when you cross the boundaries to reach somewhere faster. Now that we have a contract, I can take you with no consequence to your body, like dismemberment or severe nausea or death. Trivial things like that. Naraya blanches. Two of those are serious. He clucks his tongue like she's annoying him. It's just a limb. Calm down. Close your eyes. Velas grabs her body close to his. He smells like sweet smoke and cinnamon. As she shuts her eyes tight, Naraya feels the room widen. It feels as though someone has plugged her ears and pushed her into a vacuum. Velas is whispering. What? She can't hear. But warm air moves past them until a steady howl of wind sounds in the living room. Naraya feels it kick up past her face. She hears whispers, cries, and someone talking to her. Don't answer anything you hear, not even if it sounds like me. Vela speaks into her ear. Keep your eyes closed and hold on to me. Will I fall? Naraya's hand finds his chest, holding on tightly to his shirt. Vela kisses her forehead and laughs. Never, as long as you're mine. It feels as though they are falling through the air fast, like they could have been diving from a building. The wind howls and something pulls on her legs. She kicks and feels Velis's hands under her ass, lifting her up around him. Naraya wraps her legs around his waist, pushing her face into his neck. She wants to open her eyes to look and see where they are. Give me the daughter, child of great warrior. Never come back here. The voices seem so close, but so far away. They fall into something warm and wet. It envelops her body like jello, and Naraya can't breathe. Is she still holding on to Velis? She can feel him, but something is pulling her. It burns. She cries out, and then she feels nothing. Velis. Voila. Velis's foot hits the herringbone pattern walnut floors in the foyer of a three-story stone and stucco home in New Jersey. It's quite nice, if I do say so myself. He lets go of Naraya's waist, and she immediately hits the floor. She gasps for breath 
hands trying to pull up the flooring, sputtering and coughing. What's wrong? Don't like it? Or is this your way of saying you love it? Velas is joking, of course, but as Narai's breathing evens out, he shakes his head. It wasn't that bad. He wouldn't have let the specters take her. Damn things were all over as soon as they saw her light. He might have to rethink doing that again. So dramatic. Naraya groans. I'm not being dramatic, you asshole. I feel like I've been on a merry-go-round that was going Mach 5. Crouching next to her, Velas pulls Naraya to his sitting position. Her face is drenched in sweat. Forgive me then. Are you all right? He places a hand on the back of her neck to steady her. She shivers and presses herself close to him. She is cold. He'll have to remember that her angelic grace only stretches so far. True, she is Nephilim, but unlike him, she has not embraced the essence or made the choice that will grant Naraya her full abilities. She is, for the most part, annoyingly human. Stepping, she growls. I don't know where you stepped, but I don't want to do that again. She looks up at him while Velas gathers her into his arms once more. What were those voices? Whose daughter are they looking for? So she can understand them? He contains his surprise. Spectres. They only utter the last of their memories. Incoherent nonsense. He'd sort through the half-truths he's telling her later. Setting her down on a bar stool, he finishes speaking. Stepping is the fastest way to get from A to B or for me to remove you from a dangerous situation. That's the reason for this house, a base of operations. Now, let's look at this place. He leaves the room and returns with the fur blanket. He drapes it around her shoulders. Little humans, you're almost like a pet. You need so much care. He chuckles, taking a glass from the cabinet and fills it with water. Drink. It seems to make her feel better, Her color is returning, and he's thankful for that. He wonders what her mother looked like. Velas knows what the creator's right hand looks like. He has taken human form before, but why so late? What took him so long to frolic with humans enough to create a child? What was so special about her mother? She must have been beautiful. That, Velas knows. Naraya has her father's high cheekbones, upturned eyes, and that long, regal neck. She's easy on his eyes. He feels himself wanting to touch her. There's an odd sensation that feels as though it's pulling him in just by looking at her countenance. What are these concealed emotions that threaten to stall his sensibilities? It tells him that he doesn't want her. He needs her for more than just unseating his father. It is primal. Where are we exactly? Naraya pushes against his chest. Why are you so close to me? He didn't realize he was. Jersey, North Caldwell to be exact. He moves away from Naraya. Being too close to her and contemplative is dangerous. He walks out of the kitchen and holds out his arm for Naraya to survey the home herself. Shaking her head profusely, Naraya chuckles condescendingly. No, no. Okay, perhaps you don't know where I grew up. I grew up in Newark. We cannot live here. This house is probably, what, three million? 1.7, actually. 
Why are you concerned with money? I'm not. Bellis crosses his arms in front of his well-built chest. Technomacy, as the witches call it, is a beginner's point. Human systems are easy to manipulate for his kind. You aren't concerned with money because you've never had to use it or probably even know what it's for. She gets up and walks down the long hall, looking briefly to her right at the study. Further down, there's an office and a coat room. Not a closet, but a room. Naraya shakes her head. He can tell it's too much for her, but as long as he is here, opulence is the name of the game. People leave you alone when you have money and resources. That tale is as old as time. Don't be childish. I know what money is and what it's used for. Velas appears in front of her, leaning on the copper handrail. There used to be coins in my day, not paper cash. But what I'm saying is, don't worry about cost. Manipulating your systems and acquiring what you need is grunt work. I'll tell you a secret. All demon magic is illusions and manipulation. I excel at both. Past the stairwell, the space opens into a large family room with a kitchen. From the look on her face, it's much bigger than she has ever had. This is huge. And it's ours? Yours, more precisely. If you don't like it, I can find something else. We need to stay somewhere nice, away from where you were born, yet close enough in proximity. Bellis clucks his tongue, watching Naraya rub her belly. Trust me, stepping from Baltimore to Newark doesn't seem like something you're built for. He chuckles when she sneers at him. You need to rethink yourself. You need access to things and information that money and luxury can assure you. He runs a finger over the pristine banister. How many bedrooms? Bathrooms? She asks, and it pleases him that she seems to be getting used to the idea quickly. He hates when people try to pay the vagabond victim. When you've never had much, suddenly having everything is a dream come true. Four bedrooms, four and a half bathrooms, 6,100 square feet. It has everything you could ever think of and more. Library, custom bar room, private backyard with a koi pond, butler's pantry, game room, and a basement. He knows he's outdone himself finding this place. It would have been easy to get rid of it if she didn't like it, but he knew she would. Doubling back, Naraya runs up the stairs. Let me guess, you're going to step and steal furniture from Ashley's home store or something? She laughs as she speaks over the banister, thinking he is downstairs. When Velis's voice comes from behind her, she jumps and he smiles. Don't be ridiculous. Some men will come this afternoon with the furnishings I've chosen. So you had this all picked out? She grins at him and yawns. I'm tired all of a sudden. Shrugging, Velas cracks a smile. Any good servant has everything ready for his mistress. Well, I need a bed now. I'm tired. Should we just go over everything or whatever it is we need to get ready after my nap? Leaning his head to the side, Velas places his chin in his palm. It is dim in the house, and his lavender eyes adjust to the low lighting. I keep forgetting all the things you humans require. Very exhausting to constantly stop and go. Well, forgive me for being human. 
Naraya rolls her eyes, moving to look inside a room. Is this the game room? I can really tell you didn't come from money, nor have you ever been associated with it. The master bedroom is down the hall on the right. Grabbing her into his arms, he moves quickly, very quickly, and sets Naraya on the edge of the bed in the bare room. Stay. He kneels in front of her, picking up one of her feet to massage her ankles. You don't have to do that. She moves her hand away when he slaps it. You're still nauseous. This will help. He presses his finger into the arch of her foot. Besides, when this is all said and done, you're mine. He gives the arch of her foot a gentle squeeze. When he finishes, Bellis pushes her gently back on the pillows, bringing the blanket from the foot of the bed covering her. Quite nearly anything. Just ask me. Velis's eyes lustfully rake over her body. Naraya brings her hands up to her chest. Bastard, don't even think about it. She scoots back on the bed, her head on the pillow. They stare at each other for some time. Velis keeps his hand on her thigh and squeezes gently. Sleep well, sweet Naraya. When you wake up, we will be back in Baltimore at your workspace. And later on, we will properly approach this situation and get started on your revenge. He says the last word with a growl and a chuckle. Naraya yawns sleepily. He's hoping that she will have the energy to push on, but he's asking for too much in just one day. She speaks quietly. There's one thing. Since you are a demon and you can do all this, why can't you just find the men involved in my mother's death and kill them? Vela sighs. She still has so much to learn. I have an approximate knowledge of many things, not specific knowledge about everything. I am not omnipotent, nor am I omnipresent. I must have information to work off of. I must know names and whereabouts. I'm an excellent crime solver, but you must understand the limitations I have set for me. I told you, I'm not. Yes, yes, the creator or his son. Naraya cuts him off as she answers. So just checking, you aren't the good guy. I shouldn't fall in love and this is just a contract. Walking from the room, Velas closes the door partially before answering. Yes. A fallen angel. It isn't a question, but Velas feels the need to say something. Not all of us are. Some of us make grave mistakes or offenses to those higher up. Some of us have the unfortunate sin of being born this way. And now we sit on the boundary, never really living and never dying. That's our punishment. When he says nothing more, the two stare at each other in silence before Naraya answers. Thank you, Velis. No need. As he walks away, Velis hears a soft voice in the kitchen. Groaning at the company he has now, Velis whispers to himself, Cain, what does he want? Are you still up? Girl, good night.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.